The following is an exclusive Disruption Network production. Unbreakable is presented by United Auto Sales. Since 1945, United Auto Sales has been serving the greater Utica area with quality used vehicles, and they're still going strong today. Located at 4994 Commercial Drive in Yorkville, they always have the largest selection of cars, trucks, and SUVs. Stop in or visit them on the web at unitedusedcars.com. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not those of Disruption Network Productions Incorporated or any of its officials or sponsors. The following program contains explicit content. Listener's discretion is advised. On this episode of Unbreakable, the Donato, Danny Nappy story, Danny talks about a variety of things, including his time in the military, his mentor, getting shot at, and the legend of Donald Duck. When did you start coming out of your shell? Like, you're talking about being shy. Did the military shape you? I was still a good kid in the military. Yeah? I had no problems in the military. No arrest or anything like that. I liked what I was doing. When I got into my late teens, 15, 16 years old, I was doing auto mechanics. Then. I liked it. I loved auto mechanics. Something I liked. So when I get in, went to join the Marines at that time, they give you like an aptitude test to see what you're qualified for. You could be a cook. He could be something else. And I qualified for uh, a mechanic. So they put me in tanks. And I became a tank uh, mate. Uh, 2141 was my MOS and uh, maintenance man of track vehicle maintenance man. And I liked the job because that's what I like to do. No, I got along pretty good in the Marines. You said in the first season that you got out of the military, out of the Marines with an honorable discharge. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Being they had experience in track vehicles, tanks. Uh-huh. Uh, I was First I was in tanks, then I was in Antos. That was a smaller track vehicle with guns on the side. Then I was in Amtrak's when I left. Amtrak's is an amphibious tractor. Comes off the ship with troops. I was always maintenance, you know, mechanic. It was a strong kid. No, you, was, when, when, I, when I first joined the Marine Corps, I joined the reserves. Uh-huh. At that time in Maddie Dale, New York, outside of Syracuse, had a Marine Corps reserve. So I joined that. So when you join the reserves, you go in for six months get the basic training and all that. Then you come out and you do so many years as a reserve. But as a reserve, you have to go there once a month up to the boot camp, I mean up to Marydale. And then maybe once a year you go active duty for two or three weeks to take you down to a real base. I don't like the reserves out there. I think I was out a year or so. You go up there and nobody did anything. Like you go up there on a Sunday every month, once every Sunday. And I didn't like it. I made it known to a sergeant I don't like it here. He went and told the, uh, another, you know, an officer, and they called me in. And so there was a little beef, and I said, I don't like it. Well, we'll send you in. They could send you in for two years now. To, to, you know, it's like being drafted. At that time, they, like the Army drafted you for two years. Even though you did a year or two in the reserves, they could send you back for two years. Punishment, not punishment, two years. So that's what happened. I told him I don't like you either. Okay, wise guy. So they thought that was going to hurt me, but I didn't give a shit. I happened to like the Marines, the real Marines. So they sent me in for two years. They went back down to Camp Lejeune. That was when they sent me to this office, Antos. They were small tanks, small tractors. 
And after that, they sent me right to Okinawa. They thought there was a punishment, but Okinawa was great at that time. Oh, man. The 13 months in Okinawa, that two years went by fast. When they sent me out of the reserves, they gave me an honorable discharge from the reserves. Then I went back, they did the two years, and I got an honorable discharge for that. So I'm not a reserve. Now I'm regular uh, Marine. So I have two, two honorable discharge, again, which I'm very proud of. Never had a beef in the Marines either. I mean, I had beefs out on Liberty in those towns in Okinawa, but not, you know, where I got uh, uh, discipline in the, in the Marines. Were you getting fights in Okinawa, like in oh, the bars? Oh, man. Got shipped out to Camp Pendleton. That's uh, California. It's staging before you go out on the ship. So now we're there a few weeks to prepare us. They bring us down to San Diego to a ship. And it was the name of the ship on the tower I can remember. Now I'm going down 1962. How many years is this? It was the USS Paul Revere. And that was an old troop carrier from World War II. And like I say, station, they get you ready to go to, uh, to being around the ship. They cut everybody's hair off. That was to prevent bugs or nits, whatever you want to call them. The thing, like I said, it was an old uh, troop carrier. By the time we got into uh, Hawaii, it breaks down. So they had to pull us into the ship to, f- to fix the ship, took us off the ship, put us on the Marine base in Hawaii. They gave us liberty anytime we wanted it. So I went to see, Waikiki all the time. I had a lot of fun there. We were there 10 days. Got back on the ship. <clears throat> now we hit Okinawa. There's like a gunnery sergeant. He's an E6 or E7, right? High-ranking sergeant. He'll meet he'll meet everybody that's on Amtrak's, for instance. Maybe there's 20 guys that go to Amtrak's. That's where I'm going to go. Drive vehicles, and he stands there all starched up, squared away. I'll never forget this either. We got off the ship. There he is. We're all lined up. He says, Marines? He says, you're on the Okinawa. They call it the Rock. And do you know what you do here? Drink, fight, and fuck. He was so fucking right. He was so right. Now, I was there like 17 years, 17 years after the United States invaded Okinawa, right near the end of the war. So there was still a lot of shit. There was no, it wasn't a city. It was, the roads were still fucking dirt roads. There were hutches that the people of Okinawa lived in. And it was a village. And he was right. He was so fucking right. Didn't but you? I didn't drink. I wasn't still wasn't a drinker. I liked the party. Like, kid. Didn't you antagonize a group of uh, naval officers? We we did a lot of shit down there. Um, when I first went down there, Danny, it was a place called White Beach. These are these are places where Marines had their bases. It was. 17 years after World War II ended, what, 45? Figure it out. I was down there in 62. How long is it? How long is it 45 to 62? That our housing areas were made out of Quonset huts. Our area. You know, Quonset huts, all them tin things, and it was fucking hot. No air conditioning. Was You're getting back, didn't I have incidents? We didn't have incidents. We were crazy kids, and we thought we were so hot because we were Marines. And White Beach, the ships used to come out. 
come in from different countries. We'll say England. They had ships, and they would, uh, you know, the ships out in the harbor. But they would send these Peter boats back and forth to the ships so they can have liberty on Okinawa. And we used to wait for them. And we knew that they had money because they were, they were out to sea so many months, their pockets are full. They're pretty clean spending on the ships, so they had money. And we used to take them to the Okinawan bars. This is funny, but I got to say it anyway. We drink it on them all day. We were supposed to be badass fucking Marines, and all of a sudden, to get them pissed off, we'd say, fuck the bloody queen. Why don't you say that to the English guys? Holy shit. And it was a fight, and the whole fucking bar would go. That, that the incident? That's what it was, The yeah. whole bars would go. And we were cra- they were crazy. They were letting off their steam from being out in the fucking ocean for six months, and we are letting off our steam because we thought we were badass Marines. On the uh, on Okinawa, even with the army, the United States Army, we used to have arguments. I'll never forget this guy said, "These army guys thought they were tough. They wanted to go up against the Marines." And this one guy said, "They took this fucking island in 1945, and we'll fucking take it again now." Boom, boom, you know, shit like that. I don't think it's like that. I put that on computer. I put Okinawa on my computer now. Oh my God, how they build it up. You know, uh, servicemen are driving cars, the roads, big buildings. It wasn't like that when I was there. When I was there. But we still had a lot of fun. Okinawa was one of the places to go back in, in the day when I, uh, when I was in. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Joey's at 307. Joey's at 307 is the Utica area's best for Italian fine dining. Located at 307 Mohawk Street in East Utica. Enjoy a revolving dinner menu, amazing seafood dishes, classic Utica Italian dishes, lunch specials, catering, and now serving beer and wine. Call them today to reserve a table at 315-864-3527. Joey's at 307. You're going to love it. You're fighting any wars, though, right? There's no conflicts or any of that? No. no. I fought in wars on the street. I got all my fucking experience to, from the Marines. A lot of that shit helped me, too. How many times have you been shot at on the street? Yeah, maybe a couple of times uh, coming out of a place. What do you do, here at Wizen by or something? Or you... Yeah. I got to tell you this, but this place was, we're on a score. It was a warehouse. Maybe me, you, and Z, or... We got three of us inside and maybe one outside with radios. What they call it is a rumble. Rumble is when the cops are coming in on you. And we take off. And behind the, behind this warehouse was a wooded area. Right? They came in on us behind the thing. And we just got to the wooded area where they could hardly see. But they started shooting at me. The cops? Yeah. So there was a man with us that was with us on the score. He had a voice like a little girl. I'll never forget this. He turns around so they can hear him say, and say, I'm just, I can't do it with my voice, like a little <coughs> kid. I'm just, I'm just a kid. Please don't shoot at me. Don't, they did, they, they stopped shooting at us. But we got away by that time. They, they felt sorry. They probably thought this, he was just a kid. Because they don't know who you're coming in on. I, I want to talk about back in the day a little bit more. How strong was the mafia in Utica and in the three one five back in the day in its heyday. Oh, for, I can only go back to my my my. Right. Day. I don't think you can fuck around with them. Well, think and look at the newspapers and what happened back from uh, early, early sixties all the way up till uh, now. I'm pretty sure I know the answer that there weren't any wars, but were there, was there ever any threat of wars between Utica and any other cities? No. Or any other. No. They're pretty pretty well tied up. Binghamton, 
Syracuse. Was there multiple crime families in the area? No. No, just one? One particular? Well, as far as you go from Buffalo, there was a you know, family. There. The Buffalo people, right? And then after Rochester got involved. Rochester had two, though. I don't know, Dan, because you know what? I got to tell you something. that I, would, I never went any further than Syracuse West. You know, I went to Buffalo a couple of times. And then I guess there was a guy up there who was supposed to be a boss. He'd always ask his crew for more money, more money, more money. We're broke, we're broke, we're broke. And the guy had a funeral home. But somehow his son got in trouble. They raided the funeral home. And they found $500,000 in the funeral home. And I kept telling everybody, he's broke, broke, broke. They want to eat. So there was a, a faction of his crew in Buffalo pulled away from him and went to Rochester. You remember the guy you met? He, he knows. You know, he was part of that crew. He knows about the crew. I never went to go to Binghamton. I used to like to go to New York a lot. But I met people in... Well, the, the guys I want to know are the ones we already knew about, like the Falcons and stuff like that. But there was there was other guys. But is there a story that comes to mind when you're talking about like some of the, the old timers? What old timers from Utica? From Utica, other, yeah. Other ways? Yes, yeah. there's 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 one that was my one of my mentors mm-hmm. when Joe Joe Falcone's brother left to go to Florida, Salvatore. He put Joe in charge. Joe was in charge, supposedly for a while, and he got old. And somebody else took over as a boss, so-called boss around. And that somebody else was my friend. You know, I respected that guy. When you say mentor, what did he do to mentor you? There's a lot of questions I went to him for, and he gave me a lot of good answers. And not only that, he gave me a lot of good scores, too. You were his ace in the hole? Oh, he had a crew. He had a big crew? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, but it seemed to you, too. Let me tell you this. What you just said, he had a big crew? Let me just put a point out. Mm-hmm. He told me sitting down, he said two things he said to me. He said, if you got one guy that, that'll kill for you, you're powerful. If you got two guys that'll kill for you, you got an army. So you don't need big crews, what I just say. If you got two guys, you got an army that will kill for you. Not that shit. I'm going back 50 freaking years almost. Stuck with me. Let me tell you about my man, Joe Steets. My man, Joe. Joe's a good man. There's another kid. You know what? He's a good kid, and uh, Danny will attest to this. His son is good, too. Got a nice son there. They're good business people. United Auto, that's the place to go for cars. He worked his ass off, Joe. He had that place a long time, right? United, yeah. Since his father passed. And he gives good people a good deal. Joe Steets don't hit nobody over the head. He's an honest, straight guy. They'll buy boats, to take boats for trading, RVs, everything. Please visit their website at unitedusecars.com. He seemed to have liked you and, and vice versa. So there was a there was a good connection there. You know what I mean? You could have said your mentor. You know who he is. Yes, of course. Right. But you guys I, I, had I would a, mention his name. It's no. no problem. But he has a son. I, I don't right. But the son knows, you know. You had a very good relationship with him. Yeah, and I knew the son since he was a kid. I knew his wife. I go to the house a lot. Down, you know, he opened doors for me. Do you remember the first time you met him? Yeah, late twenties, mid twenties. Oh, I met him to other guys that took me, introduced me to him. That's how you meet people, you know. So it was after the first bid. No, the first bid I knew of him. Yeah, I knew, I knew. Of him. Was it before Florida or back in Florida? I used to go yeah. to Florida back and forth, Danny. This friend of mine, and my father had a similar business together. My father had a, my father and brother had a, an upholstering, Jennifer upholstering. Well, this guy had a place where he only did kitchenettes, you know, table chairs. 
Support for this podcast is brought to you by Stathis Greek Restaurant. Gyros, platters, moussaka. If you're looking for the best authentic Greek in town, we've got you covered. Come visit us at 1900 Genesee Street, Utica, or call 315-624-0323. And keep an eye on our Facebook page to watch our Rome location take shape. So as a follow-up from the first season, one of the characters was Donald Duck. Through the power of social media, I was able to find and contact one of Donald's daughters. I introduced myself, um, kept it pretty basic, and said, um, I believe that our dads may have had some fun in the 60s, and that's all I needed to say. Turns out, unfortunately, that Donald had passed a few years ago, so you know, we, we just missed him. But um, he lived a pretty interesting life as well. You know what I'm going to He kept going. He- so feared that we went for a ride in Miami, and we were looking for some guy. At that time, you had when you drove the, underneath the hotels, there were parking lots where they could park their cars, right? And I had just met Donald. I was running for about two weeks. Take a ride with me. He said, I want to go somewhere. We went in this downstairs in the parking lot. He's looking for, for some guy. There's a parking, parking attendant there, right? He sees Donald, and he sees Donald's car. Actually started crying. I didn't do nothing. He says, I didn't do nothing. Would he in this, would he win this park? He got scared of death that Donald should do something to him. I said, this fucking guy. Then after we got close, Donald, you know, we did things together, and we, we almost had a million, two million dollars, too. He was funny. You know, sometimes, you know, in that life, you, you got 20,000. Next fucking week, you got nothing. So what do you do? You want to go out in Miami, you want to go out. That's the thing, is getting the fuck out. You look for scores, you're out, you're partying, right? We had no money, we used to do the credit cards. <laughs> it was easier than the 60s. You didn't have computers, you had a book. And every, every week or every month, every, every week, you go and look in that book. If you had a stolen credit card or a phony one, if the number ain't in the book where it's stolen or hot, you got a shot to use it. Now it's all computer. It pops up on a computer. You can't use a credit card now. So that's how we used to go. We used to party every fucking night. We either had <laughs> we had credit cards you know, or we had cash. We used to <clears throat> that one point five or two million. Had you have pulled that off, uh, where would that have gone? Obviously, you would have had some fun with it. But would you have gotten in trouble? What would you have done, like long term, with that? At that time, Dan, the way I was, wild. I would have pissed it away. I would fucking piss it away. I want to tell you something about me, and I still have this. I, 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 I don't fucking brag. You can think what you want about me. But I have this sort of compassion, especially for people that don't have anything. I, uh, I want to help them all the time. So I would come off a score, maybe here in Utica, and I'd always, for some reason, would like to put money under my floor mats. Not today, under my floor mats. Just, just to feel, uh, I'm riding on 10,000, just to feel. All right. So I could be riding or coming out of the pool room, and I'd see you, for instance. Hey, Z, I'd, come on, Z, get in the car. Go get a hamburger or something, right? And I'd say to you, you want to go to Las Vegas, Z? You fucking nuts, Nap. Where am I getting the money to go to fucking Las Vegas? I didn't say that. You want to go to Las Vegas? Because I wanted to go. I wanted to go with somebody. Go home and just pack a little shit. We fly out to fucking Las Vegas. Hang around a while and come back. Just to do it. You've done that before. And there was a couple of guys that I did it with from Utica. 
I wish they were still living. Because I'd put them on this podcast. Tell you who they are. Do crazy shit like that. That million damn, well, I would have fucking, I don't know. Probably bought new cars and all kinds of shit. Since we're on the subject of scores, what's the biggest score you ever came up across? I don't want to say. You don't? But it was big. The, yeah? You know, I come across Six figures? Them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of those bank scores were over 100,000. Oh, yeah. But you had, you had to cut it up maybe four ways. I always think about that now. You see these? I know everything is electronically. Most of the time you go and shop and you pay with a credit card and everything. See, that's how I'm. I'm out of everything now. I'm a good guy now. Well, not. Well, I was never a bad guy, but I'm not involved now. I, you know, I see advertising on TV, or you go online and you go order, order anything you want with a credit card. So that, there's not that much cash around. I don't think, right? No more cash. So what do you do? You were a burglar. You were a safe guy. You did alarms. What the fuck would you do now? You got to sell dope. Everybody's fucking with dope. Unbreakable is sponsored by United Auto Sales, Joey's at 307, and Stathis Greek Restaurant. Executive producer, Danny Nappy Jr. and Anthony Z. Donaldson. Legal advice, Christopher Jude Pelly and David Longaretta. Artwork by Jerry Bernardo. Consultants, Gabe Altamuro, Todd Williams, and Adeline Van Dyke. Social media marketing, Christy Schleider. And I'm your narrator, Anthony Colenzo. We'd like to give a special thanks to Lisa Wilsey and J. Anthony Stucci. This has been a Disruption Networks production. All rights reserved 2022.